Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Amazing. I told Pastor Don, we were talking in the back, and uh, last year when I was here, for those of you who, uh, how many of you guys have been in a service with me before? Wave at me really quickly. Okay, cool. How many of you guys have no clue who I am? Wave at me real quick. Awesome. We got a lot of new people. If I offend you today, you can email me at kirkcameron.tv. I'll shoot you an email right back. I'll write you back this afternoon. Uh, but last year when I was here, uh, Pastor Don and Jessamy are very known to wear me out, like whenever I'm here. Uh, like normally I, I can come to a church and they'll be like, you just preach once and you have 45 hours off. That's not the way it happens at Tree. Uh, we're in meetings every 20 minutes and uh, I drink espresso in between. And uh, last year when I was here, I was super tired but God had been putting a melody in my heart at our school of worship in Columbus. Pastor Cody's been there, Troy's been there. And uh, when I was here last year, I, I sat down with, with Troy, uh, Pastor Dave, Pastor Cody, and we sat down and I said, I think we need to finish a song. And I was so tired, but we sat in the lobby over here. It's about 400 feet. Well, it's about five football fields that way. Y'all know what I'm talking about, the lobby you came in. And we were sitting in the lobby, just hanging out. And I'm telling you, the spirit of God fell in that lobby because we gathered in his name, Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20. And God began to breathe, like the song says. And that song, Come and Breathe Here, was written last year. Come on, thank you for your overwhelming enthusiasm. And so the four of us wrote this song and uh, we believe it's gonna change the world. We believe it's gonna go all over the world, not only here at Tree, but I believe it's gonna go to the nations. And uh, we've got something up our sleeve, so get ready for a single, get ready for God to release a sound, and uh, I believe it's gonna be amazing. Awesome. Um, I have to give honor where honor is due. My pastor says, if honor is in you, it comes out of you. You can't fake honor, and I wanna honor Pastor Don and Pastor Jessamy today. Would you give them a huge hand? Because here's the reality. 4,000 churches close every single year. I hate those statistics because I'm a local church guy. Yeah, but 3,000 open, but there's still a deficit of 1,000 churches that are no more. And I'm just so grateful to be in covenant with a couple who are, that wake up every day, that fight the good fight, that stand firm, firm in their faith and have not quit, and you've stayed on mission to keep extending the reach of heaven in this region. And we're all here today because these two have not quit, and God is still moving, amen? How many of you guys, your life has been transformed and affected because of Tree of Life Church? Wave at me. Awesome. It might have been from the beginning when Pastor Don Sr. was here or all the way up until now, but how many of you guys, wave at me again, you've been, your life has been changed because of Tree of Life. Wow, look around the room. This is huge. I take this very seriously because I believe the heartbeat of God is the local church on this planet, and I'm so grateful for Tree. I love driving by here. It's directly across the street from the weird Cobra Farm. That's pretty cool. I've been begging for years to go there, and they're always like, that's, that's funny. Oh, you really want to go? I'm like, yeah, I want to go over there. I want to pet some snakes. As long as they're in a cage and they're taxidermied and stuff. I don't want to get near them, but I love the tree of life is off the, the, the corridor here. I love that people can look off to the side like a burning bush because I believe God is about to do some really amazing things through tree of life. How many of you guys are excited about the future and what God is doing? Okay. So I have to take care of some house business really quickly. Now listen, there's two things that you've got to understand with me. And for those of you who've been in my service before, you get it. For those of you who don't, is I'm a crowd participation guy. Like I like, that's good white boy. Like you can yell that. 
You can say, is that beard real? Like, are those periwinkle pants? Like, whatever. I'll take the one. That's good. But I have to take her to some house business because Pastor Jess and me and I almost arm wrestled yesterday because she's like, we love you coming. You've been coming here for five years now. I mean, the first time I came, Callie was 13. Camry was like, well, she would have been like 11 or 12. And that's crazy. And so we've been coming here now five years. And, and Pastor Jess and me said, you are never allowed to come back here again. And I said, what? Like a little single, single tear. And she's like, unless you bring your family, because we don't know if they exist. You talk about all these stories and we see them on social media, but these could be hired people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I have proof. This is my beautiful wife, Jackie, and our kids. Awesome. She sends her love today. So my little girl, Finley. Finley on the far left. She's a firecracker. My little boy, Brecken, in the middle with the hat. And then this new one here, man, she has, she's a little bit of a baby bully. Like she kind of runs the family and she's amazing. And that's my beautiful family. And so I give you my word if I can convince Pastor Donna to buy the plane tickets, I give you my word on the Book of Mormon. I give you my word that we're gonna, I'm gonna bring them back next year. So Pastor Jessamy, I wanna honor you in that. So, okay, I wanna move on. I wanna jump into the word today. Uh, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to. I told the worship team yesterday in our workshop that Harvard did a in-depth study of retention rate. Harvard uh, Welding School, Community College, like a tiny little school in Little Rock, Arkansas. But Harvard did a study that said if you're a hearer only, if you're only listening, if you came as a spectator to an assembly or an event, so for us, a church service, you only retain 5% of what you hear. So the only thing that you've heard today is that I'm wearing periwinkle, periwinkle pants, but I can't even say it. It's like a riddle. Periwinkle pants, 5%. If you take notes, elbow the person next to you, say take notes, it goes up to 35%. If you take notes and you reread through those notes, the retention rate goes up as high as 90%. So I encourage you to take notes. If you have some for, form of technology, type it. Uh, if you don't, borrow somebody's eyeliner. Like just grab it and just write it on your arm. I don't care, but take notes today. So our foundational verse as we jump into the word today is found in Isaiah 43, 19. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's inspirational. It's also a declaration and a promise from God to us. I told Pastor Don a few days ago, I said, God's been stirring a specific verse in my heart. I believe it applies to tree because I'm excited about where we've been, but I cannot wait to see where God is about to take us. And I say us because I'm family now. I might be like a weird cousin, but I'm family. <laughs> Don't be surprised if I show up to some of y'all's like uh, uh, family reunions and bar mitzvahs and stuff and like complain like, where's grandma's potato salad? They're like, who let him in? Why is he here? But I'm family now, and I cannot wait to see where God is about to take Tree of Life, almost like a stretching, Pastor Don. I've seen this almost in the spirit. It felt like I saw it in the spirit last night as I was praying, like a stretching has been happening. And the stretching is not designed for us to break. The stretching is like a slingshot ready to launch Tree into this region to do some serious damage to the kingdom of darkness. Come on, somebody. So the, the verse we're going to talk about today that's foundational is Isaiah 43, 19. It says this, for I'm about to do something new. Man, we can stop right there. That's great news. Friday night, if you missed it, I encourage you next year, if I get invited back, barring Jackie and the kids coming, uh, show up. Because when we have these designated nights and we have these moments where we encounter Jesus, we talked about new strength and how we wait, expect, hope for, and look for the things of God. And the Amplified of Isaiah 40, 31, it talks about how we're going to get new strength. And today we're talking about newness again. We're not stuck in a rut. We're not stuck in the way it used to be. 
We're not stuck in the way I wish it was. Now we're excited because God says this, I'm about to do something new. And it has, I love this part, it has already begun. Now that right there is enough to shout, somebody should run around the building, blow a shofar, do something. Like, but the part that kind of throws me off and honestly burdens me is this next, stop, this next line, do you not see it? And that's where I wanna kind of camp out here for just a moment today because I am burdened by watching the American church almost stall out. Almost feels like there's a lid or a limit. And God's saying, no, 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 I'm doing something new. It's already begun. Do you not see it? No, I don't see it because I don't like this style of music. I wish Cody didn't wear linen shirts. It's too wrinkled. <laughs> Pastor Don's message was good, but I just, why does he always have to talk about money? No, I'm serious. Listen, we constantly compartmentalize what we want stylistically, who we are. But listen, there's room for all of you in the body of Christ, from the oldest person in the room to the youngest. If you're breathing and you woke up today and you took another breath, it's proof that God's not done with you yet. I'm telling you. We don't try to get money from you to keep it and hoard it. Man, we're trying to push life into this community and push life into this region and show people Jesus because Tree of Life does not exist as a community center and a community club where on the way out we say, awesome, make sure you grab your shirt on the way out, the one that says Godweiser instead of Budweiser. It's really fancy. We want people to know that you're a Christian. No, we walk out simply for this reason, as Tree. We walk out to get in the way of people's storms because we encounter people every single day that are going through tragedies and chaos. Some of you are walking through storms that some people don't even know about. Thank God for the local church. Thank God for the heartbeat of God in this region. Thank God the tree of life exists so that we can walk in and get deposits made. Because listen, there's debits, whether you realize it or not, taken out of your courage account every day. Debits, you're not good enough. The enemy says you're not smart enough. You're not funny enough. You're not pretty enough. That person's faster, quicker, better, more creative. They're gonna get the job before you. This diagnosis, you know your great, 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 great grandpa had Mongolian body rot, you'll probably get it. Oh, did you see that Kevin has the flu? He might as well just sneeze directly in your mouth because you're probably gonna get it. No, listen, debits, taken out of your courage count every day to mess with your joy. Because Nehemiah 8.10 says the joy of the Lord's our strength. The enemy knows if he can grab your joy and zap you of your joy, he'll take your strength. And I love the local church because I walk in, stand on that front row, and whether I'm preaching or I get to be where you're at, I love worship this morning, man, as they were declaring, every shackle has been broken, every stronghold has been torn down. I, I'm standing there, and you know what I feel? I feel deposits. I feel deposit strong enough. It's not you who lives any longer, but me who lives through you. You're creative enough. You, you have everything that you need when you need it from my spirit. All you have to do is just open up and receive and deposits are made. Thank God for the local church. Look at the person next to you and say, thank God for the local church. But I've been burdened the past two years specifically. God has really breathed on our opportunities to go into local churches and consult and do leadership training and leadership development, preaching all over the country. We have international opportunities. It's been a little overwhelming, truth be told. And we actually, at the beginning of the year, we agreed as a team and as a staff, we're not gonna go anywhere that there's not covenant because we had, a, we had a, over 90 uh, a booking requests come in in like 60 days. I can't get to all of them. 
And so we're gonna go where covenant is. That's why I'm here, because of covenant. My friend William McDowell says, the only spiritual commodity that we have is covenant relationships. And so this is a covenant moment. And so I believe in the local church. I believe in Tree. I believe in the Duncans. But something that has been startling to me as someone who loves the local church and travels around the world preaching in local churches is there was a secular study done for 10 years. They trend, they watch the trending behavior of Americanized Christianity. That's us. The body of Christ is us. Some of you are the awkward pinky toe, but we're the body of Christ. It's okay to laugh. Y'all have had plenty of coffee. But it was decaf. You probably like cats too. I mean, I don't know what you're into. But this trending behavior that a secular organization did, then they begin to pull in some popular evangelicals and begin to ask the question, why is this happening? There's no flicker of hope. It's never rebounded. It's just been in a steady decline the past 10 years. Two things specifically. Here they are. The first one is passion. They say that American Christians, Americanized Christianity, us as the body are no longer passionate, that we no longer care about the things of God. The average American Christian, they claim, prays seven minutes a month. And that's including praying over food. I met a guy in Mississippi who told me he had something really clever and figured out that at the beginning of each year, him and his wife pray for all the groceries for the entire year so they don't have to pray over their meals. My God, have we gotten that lazy? Lord, I pray for every hot pocket. Lord, don't allow the full body cleanse to happen, Lord, when I eat Chinese food. They're like, what is happening? We've lost the drive and the passion to pursue the things of God? When Matthew chapter six, verse 33 says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then it goes on and says, and all these things, say all these things. All these things will be added unto you. That's passion, that's courage, that's boldness, that's peace, that's perseverance, that's fight, that's everything you need, when you need it. But according to this statistic, and I'm watching it happening, happening like an epidemic around the world, specifically in America, his passion, they say, is dying, it's in decline. That the generation of high school students and under are a dying out generation. That statistically, they won't even come to church because they're forced by their parents. Where is the passion? Where is the hunger? My pastor, Dr. Barkley, says if you're not hungry for the things of God, then something else is filling you up. It may not even be a sin issue. It could just be a busyness issue. In the Midwest, they schedule things seven days a week. My little boy plays flag football. My wife got the schedule, and she said, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Y'all have uh, practices on Sunday morning? And the guy was like, we practice all the time. And she said, what? I thought she was going to whip him. She's country, you know. <laughs> and we come from the South, where uh, Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby are kind of the staples. Drug dealers take Sundays off. Like, <laughs> they say statistically... In the 80s, people went to church two and a half times a month, full-time church attenders. In the 90s, about two and a half, a little under. In the 2000s, it dropped to two. Now, 1.5 times a month, a full-time church attender goes to church. It doesn't even make sense. It's like, hey, praise God, every shack. And then the next week, we're like, hey, man, I'm only here for the free coffee. I'm out of here. I'm only here for half a time. One and a half times? It doesn't even make sense. They say it's because people are no longer passionate. The second thing that devastated me, because I know where I came from. 
My dad was a drug dealer and an alcoholic. He beat my mom, he cheated. It was a rough, rough, rough. I was born an accident into a Jerry Springer episode. I had a lady say, you were born on the set of Jerry Springer? I'm like, no, I was, it's a... We were just messed up. And I remember my dad found Jesus. He didn't find religion when he found relationship. He was so hungry. The doors opened, he was in there. Pastor, what can I do? Wednesday night, Sunday morning, we'd sleep under the pew Sunday night. On fire for God, couldn't get enough. He was as good of a Christian as he was a professional sinner. And they're saying that it's in decline, passion. And then the second thing, and this really breaks my heart, that they say is in decline, is compassion. The people don't care about people anymore. The people daily just dismiss coworkers, daily dismiss people that they have a sphere of influence in. You know, there's people, whether you like it or not, there are people that are attached to your destiny. And if the enemy can isolate you and get you thrown off course of what your purpose is, he not only rips you off, but he rips all the people off that are connected to your destiny. Do you realize there's healing in your hands? Do you realize that your tongue is like the pen of a ready writer? Yeah, but I'll never have a microphone. You don't have to. We're, this is the church. You are the church. Outside the four walls, inside the four walls, we are all called to the Great Commission. None of us are off the clock. All of us are called to point people to Jesus, to get in the way of their storms. So I talk to people all the time. Well, it's because you're outgoing. No, because I love people. I believe found people find people. And I've been found, so why wouldn't I find other people? Anytime I can tell my testimony about what Jesus did, anytime I can tell my testimony about the lady in the grocery store by the cereal aisle who talked to my mom about Jesus, thank God for people that still talk about Jesus. Thank you for your overwhelming enthusiasm. Come on. Thank God for people that still talk to people about Jesus. I wanna ignite a fire in you this morning because I believe with all my heart that all of us are called to do a lot more than 1.5 times a month. All of us are called to do a lot more than read our Bible every once in a while, or when we're going through a storm, pray a prayer. Say this out loud with me, because I want you to hear it with your own ears. There's safety in the pack. There's safety in the pack. The Lord will speak to me. John 14, 26 uh, talks about how the Holy Spirit is our helper who helps. And I, I'm not hyper charismatic on this, and I'm not, I don't believe that, that, that uh, I always hear an audible voice from God, like, wear that shirt. I'm like, okay, God. Some of you are, let's say God said about everything. Like, God told me to wear this tie. No, he didn't. He has taste. <laughs> You're a lion. Stop saying God said. God's up there like, I didn't, I, didn't say, I didn't say that. Those are yoga pants. You don't have to wear those all the time. Like, but the Lord will speak to me in life scenarios. It's just the way he connects with me. And I was watching a show, I walked up to my little boy, he's eight, up to his room, I said, hey, come downstairs, we're gonna watch something. And he's like, okay. I was like, we're gonna do some real like, tough guy stuff, okay? So Jackie was upstairs with the other, you know, the girls, and I was like, we're gonna, he's like, are we gonna have snacks? I'm like, yeah, we're gonna have man snacks, like skinny pop popcorn. <laughs> there's no butter, there's no, it's low fat, it's manly. And then we're gonna have some vitamin water, and we're gonna watch When Animals Attack Three. Don't tell your mom. And so we're watching it, and Jackie comes down the stairs, and she's like, whoa, what are you watching? And I said, well, when animals attack the thir three? And she's like, why? And I was like, because there's, it's the third one. Like, obviously, they had some clout. They did first and second. It's the third one. She's like, 
don't you think it's a little violent? And I said, don't you think you should go make me a sandwich? I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Oh my God. I didn't say that because she's country tough. You know what I mean? Like she gets mad. She gets the strength of five men. She would have punched me in the throat and said, you make me a sandwich. I want extra mayo and spinach. I'd have been like, okay, God, I got it. Some of you husbands are like, yeah, I get it. Don't make eye contact with her. <laughs> Why are you telling us this story? Because I'm watching this show and something began to happen. You know the predator, the enemy, the devil who does not like you? It's step on your toes. John 10, 10 says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The predator is patient. He will be patient to ultimately derail your destiny. He will be patient to mess with your joy, to ultimately steal your strength. And I watched this lion stalking this group of gazelle, specifically one little one that was weak. And as long as that little weak gazelle was inside of the pack, there was safety. And the predator wouldn't even attempt to attack him because there was safety in the pack. There's not safety in the pack with people to go 1.5 times a month. There's not deposits that are made to encourage you and build you up. Out, come on, somebody. There's importance of how this local church is designed, Proverbs 27, 17, where iron sharpens iron. So when you're walking through a storm, when you're going through chaos, when you need prayer, when you need lifted up, just like the man who was lowered in where Jesus was doing the Bible study, and Jesus said, it's the faith of your friends that have made you whole. There's faith in this building to move mountains. There's faith in this building to restore hope. But when passion and compassion is in decline, and 1.5 times is full time, so as we watched, the predator was patient, and the gazelle thought, I don't need to go to church all the time. I'm gonna step outside of this. I'm gonna do my own thing, and if I have time, I'll go. And he began to step outside of the pack, and you know what happened next? The guy said, and the predator, the lion, and Jackie's like, turn it off. And I'm like, he's about to attack, and it happened. I was like, ah, oh, Brecken freaked out, and we turned it off. But the predator waited because there's safety in the pack. Here's the thing about the local church that I feel like I'm on a mandate to throw some lighter fluid on some already existing fires because that's what tree is. Look around the room. This is an existing fire. People packed in hungry and expect, and, and I told Pastor Don this and Pastor Jessamy in the first service. I said, I believe that this statistic does not apply to tree of life. Come on, somebody. This statistic does not apply to Tree of Life. We have passionate, on-fire people that are excited with expectation to romance people to Jesus. So here's my challenge to you. Don't get used to the seat you're sitting in because a stripper might be sitting there next week. Don't be sitting in the seat. Don't, don't, don't take a Sharpie and write your name on it because somebody broken and devastated and needing hope and help may be sitting in that chair next Sunday. Because we're all called. We're all called, and I'll prove it to you. This is not based on your personality. This is based upon the word. Matthew chapter five, verse 13 says this. You're the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Stay right there. Salt. J Jesus, I, I just know that some of these disciples, and I can't wait to get to heaven one day to ask, like, so tell me, some of these parables, you guys were like, oh man, Jesus was a little bit like a riddler. He's like, Peter, listen, hen and a half, laid an egg and a half, and an hour and a half, how long would it take a monkey with a wooden leg to kick the seeds out of a dill pickle? <laughs> All right, Lord, we'll go pray for those people. Like, what did he say? What did he just say? 
So the salt, what is Jesus talking about? Being salty. He's talking, he's not talking about being sassy. Some of y'all are like, I'm salty. We're not talking about that. We're talking about being distinctive. Salt's distinctive. My wife made a meal the other day. I was gracious and we were eating. I was like, it's very delicious. And my little girl, Finley, who's six, is like, mom, I don't know what's missing, but it doesn't taste right. Jackie's like, I forgot the salt because salt's distinctive. But then if you go to a restaurant and they put way too much salt, you're like, hey, waiter, I don't know what, it's just too salty because it's distinctive. Jesus is saying that our lives are not designed to blend in. Your life is not designed to just live life in survival mode and cruise control mode. To be the church is to live a salt-filled life that's distinctive, that walks into a room and coworkers walk over and say, aren't you the kind of person that prays because my marriage is falling apart? I need hope to be distinctive. And then it goes on and talks about us being the light of the world. So you can't hide that light. Old school, when I was growing up, after my dad, I said, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Let it shine, let it shine. It's very cheesy, I'm not sure why I'm doing that, but no, because we're called to be salt, all of us, and called to be light. Yeah, but you don't understand, I, I struggle with communication. I'm not that outgoing. I, I'm not really sure how, how, how to do all this. Paul said it's not with the enticing words. One translation says, the perfect oratory delivery. No, it's the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe there's gonna start being more rumors about Tree of Life that there's Walmart miracles happening around this community, that lives are being restored. Oh yeah, if you wanna get a miracle, go over to that Tree of Life church. That's where you get your healing. Yeah, it's a lady over there the other day. She, the tumor just disappeared. God was here. Right in the middle of video announcements, hope was restored. Come on, somebody. We're all called to this. We're all called to this. We lift our pastor's arms. We pray over them. We believe that God is downloading a word from heaven. And then we take it and we apply it and we live our lives as the church. Here's the thing about Matthew 5 verse 13. It talks about being salt and being distinctive. You have to be comfortable in your own skin. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus talks about loving God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your entire being. And then the next thing he says is, and then you need to love your neighbor. How many of y'all know this verse? Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, if you're, if you're just reading through the Bible and you're flipping through, sometimes you miss these moments. That's why you need to be a student of the Bible and read it every day because a pastor friend of mine said, you have to read the Bible every day, even the parts you don't get because the Holy Spirit will bring revelation and illumination and magnify moments. A pastor friend of mine says, you know, reading the Bible every day is like the jack in the box. It's like, I open the Bible and turn the page and it's really good reading. And all of a sudden one day pop revelation just pops off the page at you. And that's what happened to me in this verse. In Matthew, it talks about how we are to love our neighbor, Jesus says, as our self. Well, how does that work? Here's the deal. You can't love people out of an empty place. You have to first love God, get filled up with his love, and the overflow of the love that you've received, we love others. That's where compassion comes in. That's where passion comes in. But you have to be comfortable in your own skin. I wake up every day. I look in the mirror and I say, whew, okay. This is what I'm dealing with. <laughs> like, like this. God, you have a sense of humor. Like, you don't think God has a sense of humor? Go to the mall and just watch people. Just go. <sighs> okay, Lord. I, 
and I'll attempt to brush my beard on my head. Like, <laughs> you gotta get comfortable in your own skin. You gotta know who you are in Christ. Colossians 3.17 says it's not, and everything I do, everything I say, I do it as a representative of Jesus. So you look in the mirror and you say, hey devil, you're gonna get tired before I do because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. Well, it's easier said than done. As a kid growing up, I don't know what the deal was, but I was, I was little, I was husky, and I wore multiple watches, like five, six watches. I don't know why my mom allowed it. Like, you love time though. I don't know, I don't know, I have lots of watches. And I always wanted to have an accent. A friend of mine had a really cool accent. And I'm like, mom, why don't I have an accent? And she's like, you're a strange kid. I don't know, like, but growing up, you know, I got good at accents. And then, you know, because of ministry, uh, Pastor Don is very fortunate, but because of ministry, you know, I've lost my hair. Anyways, and uh, so I thought as I'm growing uh, up in ministry, you know, it'd be pretty cool, uh, you know, if maybe like I could be cool and have a cool accent and, and maybe be like Jason Statham of preaching. Like, how, about, how cool would this be? Like, how much cooler would it be like, welcome to Tree of Life. I pulled up in my Jaguar. Like, how cool would that be? It'd be pretty cool. But I'm comfortable in my own skin, so I realize I'm nothing like Jason Statham. I'm more like Doug from the Nickelodeon show. <laughs> like, you gotta know, and you gotta be comfortable in your own skin. Be the church. Love people. People matter to God, so they matter to us. There shouldn't be an empty chair in this building at any services. Because if we're bringers and we invite people and we've been found, we should be finding more people. But I, uh, Jackie and I, we have a lot of fun with accents. And uh, we were flying to Hawaii. And uh, <laughs> I, I said, I think we should do a really cool accent uh, for this trip. And she's like, what do you want to do? You want to do Australia? What's up, mate? And I said, no, no, no. And she's like, let's do Let's do British. And she even does better than me. And I said, let's do it. So we get on the plane and the whole time we're in full character. So I'm like, excuse me, flight attendant. <laughs> Can I have a, just a little, little bit of Coke with some ice, please? And this guy leans up between us and goes, where are you from? And I was like, uh. <laughs> and Jackie was like, this is on you, okay. I'm gonna catch some shut eye, I'm gonna. And this guy's like, where are you from? You sound like you're from Manchester. I was like, well, it's a, it's a little place I said Manchester <laughs> with all the sheep. And so he starts naming all these towns. I'm like, a, a little bit closer. I'm on a sleep now. I got to go to sleep. And I had to stay in character for seven hours. My God, we just talked about lying. Lord, forgive me. <laughs> Be comfortable in your own skin. Know who you are in Christ. Know who you are in Christ. Know that you are in Psalms 139.14 fearfully wonderfully made. You're marvelously complex. God has a phenomenal call and a phenomenal plan on your life. And some of you, you've put a ceiling or a lid on your purpose and your call because you've just been unwilling to be uncomfortable. Maybe God's told you to serve in the children's ministry here. And you're like, that is not the call of God for me. But the Holy Spirit's been tugging on your heart. Maybe God's been telling you to get involved and not just be a consumer, but actually step in and be a producer. Come on, somebody. God has called us to be the local church. And here's the thing about deposits. Some of y'all are looking at your watch. I'll get you out of here in time to beat the Methodist to Golden Corral. You're fine. Just give me a second. <laughs> We're all called to live a contagious life. 
a residue that's on us because we've been with Jesus. True story, I'm not stretching this even a little bit. We were doing a conference in Alabama and there was a place like Books A Million, it was what it was called, it's like a Barnes and Noble, I don't know if you guys have those type of places where you go and you sit and you read and stuff. And, and uh, we were doing a conference called Eight Days of Glory and it was morning and night, so Taffy in the morning, Brother Cruffalo Dollar at night, Kathy in the morning, Brother Jesse the Planets at night, it was morning and night, morning and night, it was just busy. And we're like day like six, I'm shot. We have two more services left. And Jackie said, I think we need to disconnect. We need to unplug for a minute. Let's go over to Books A Million, get a cup of coffee. I'll book some more plane tickets, take care of, you know, she's our administrator. I'm like, okay, great. So we go and we're hanging out there. And you know when people like casually glance at you like, hey. But then there's people that just stare. And, and you're like. like and they're not, they don't look away. The girl that's working at Cup of Joe there is wiping the counter and just staring at us. And I'm like, hey babe, like 25 minutes in. Hey babe, do you notice the girl staring at us? She's like, mm-hmm, she's typing, uh-huh. And I said, she's weirding me out. She's like, she shouldn't. I was like, do you have your pepper spray? <laughs> so I'm always aware of my surroundings, you know? And she said, it's okay. And I said, I don't know, she's weirding me out. She's like, maybe she went to the conference. There's a lot of people there. I said, that's totally it. So she's like looking at me again. I was like, hey. And she's like, oh. And I was like, no, that's not it. <laughs> 20 more minutes goes by. This isn't stretched at all. This isn't exaggerated at all. 45 minutes, this lady's just staring at us. There's people lining up. She's trying to get their drinks, but she's totally distracted by us. I wasn't wearing a foam dome hat that said, need prayer, ask me how. I wasn't wearing a shirt that said spirit instead of Sprite. It was just Dan and Jackie hanging out at Books A Million. This girl walks over to the table next to us and she's wiping the counter or the table. She puts the rag down and walks, steps up to us. And now I'm like, oh man. And she goes, I'm so sorry. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I've been watching you. <laughs> and Jackie and I looked at each other and exactly the same time we said, who was? Like what? I'm tucking the pepper spray back in the purse. Like, us. Why us? Oh, I'm like, cheerio. No, I didn't do that. I'm like, why? Her words, I'm not stretching this. This is just Dan and Jackie. We weren't blasting Christian music driving in. We're just unplugging. She said, corporate just came here. We're the busiest store in the nation. They're closing stores all over the country, but between, between Montgomery and Birmingham, this corridor of tourism, we're the number one store in the nation. Hundreds of people come through here a day. And we're like, okay. And she said, I see people come and go all day long. Her words, not stretching this at all. She said, but when you two walked in, the whole atmosphere changed. That's the residue. That's us being the church. That's the residue of our time with Jesus, the deposits. And she never asked us, what do you do? Who are you? She just started dumping. I don't know why you came here, but up until 45 minutes ago, I hated God every day of my life. But until you walked in the doors, I don't hate God anymore. And she began to dump on us. My dad was a, an evangelist. He traveled around the country and did tent revivals and people would get saved and he'd come back to our little pull behind trailer and he would drink Jack Daniels, pass out, come to beat my mom, beat my brother, beat me until our eyes were swollen shut. I hated God every day until 45 minutes ago. And we're sitting there. And Jackie stands up and says, can I hug you? And she said, no, don't touch me. 
I don't let anybody touch me. And as she went like this, her arms cut up from self-affliction. She said, I don't let anybody touch me. And she said, I don't know why you came here. I think you think you came here for you. You came here for me. She said, who are you? And this guy's like, can I get a peppermint mocha? And I'm like, you shut your mouth. And Jackie says, it's, it's no coincidence you came over here. We're ministers of the gospel. What you're feeling and the drawing that you've felt when we walked in is not us. It's the Holy Spirit in us. It's the authentic love of Jesus. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And she said, this is what we're going to do. I'm not going to touch you. My husband's gonna pray and we're gonna pray over you and I believe God is gonna restore you right now. We believe right now in this moment you're gonna go from broken to beautiful in this book's a million. Right here, in this moment. So we begin to pray, I'm telling you, a spiritual transformation began to happen like Matthew chapter nine, verse 20 with the woman with the issue blood who fought her way through the crowd and tugged on the hem of Jesus's garment. We watched her go from completely broken, face angry and contorted to smiling. She fell in Jackie's arms. She was completely healed, restored and delivered. <laughs> Matthew chapter five, salt and light, the great commission, we're all called to it. I wasn't on a big platform. I didn't have the attention of thousands. We had the attention of one and heaven will move for the one. It's like the story of the little girl throwing starfish back in the ocean. This guy walks by and says, what are you doing? You can't save all these starfish. She picked up one and said, but I can save this one. And I can save this one. God is leading us across people's paths every day as the church to get in the way of their storms. And God will use your life even in a duct taped, super glued, decoupaged, back together state. He can use you right where you're at. To love people, to be mentored, to get deposits from the Lord and to pour into others. We connected her with a local church. She's a youth leader now. She's thriving. Come on somebody. Because of the delivering power of God. She had a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> she said, what am I supposed to do with these? And I said, we're gonna throw them out. She said, I just bought them, they're five bucks. I only smoked one, can we give them to that guy? He's like, mocha frappuccino. I'm like, no, you shut your mouth still. Or no, we're gonna throw those out. <laughs> we threw them out, she was totally set free. I got, do I have time real quick for another? I'm only gonna go to 3.30, I'm just playing. <laughs> so we're like, my God, there is something new happening here. All day church. I love the personal side of this. I was at a church in Olive Branch, Mississippi. 83-year-old lady walked up to me. She said, I didn't think I was gonna like tonight. I was like, I appreciate you being so sweet. Like, <laughs> she said, I didn't like your pants because I was wearing really skinny jeans. She's like, I don't like the music, it's too loud. I tell pastor all the time, turn that down. She said, I've been serving God my whole life. And I realized tonight when you were preaching that I've been in a rut. She started crying. She said, I want to hear the Holy Spirit. I want God to use my hands to see people healed. And I'm going to start walking in it. And I said, okay. 
So I prayed for her and she left. I went back to that church a year later. Oh man, she came up. She's now 84. She's thrilled. I gotta tell you something, I gotta tell you something. I was gonna email you, but I didn't know how. So, okay. It's okay. And plus I said KurtCameron.tv. I think I threw her off. Kurt's like, I don't know who this lady is. She said, uh, a week after you came last year, I was in a grocery store. There's a store up uh, and, and all, all over, but they're called Meyer. And she said, uh, I walked in and I just went in with my list and I was gonna buy my groceries. And on the way out, I heard the Lord for the first time in my life. It wasn't an audible voice, but I felt it reverberating inside. Go over there and tell that lady I love her and give her a hug. She said, I turned around, I said out loud, I don't know that woman, and she walked out. She said, I heard your voice. God will set you up to get in the way of people's storms, to show up and help people. And she said, I turned around and I walked back in, the greeter guy that's always like, welcome tomorrow, was like, can we help you? And she's like, no, I gotta go talk to that lady over there. And she walks over, she puts her bags down and it's the card aisle. So she just starts looking at cards, like awkwardly trying to get up the string, like, you know, opening the one up, like, <laughs> hit me with your best shot. <laughs> like, she's totally just trying to figure out. So finally she just gets the strength, 84 years old, walks over, taps the lady on the shoulder. The lady turns around, tears coming down her face, said, I just felt like I was supposed to come over here and give you, and before she could say hug, the lady fell in her arms. She doesn't even know her. She's standing there holding the stranger, 30 seconds before saying out loud, I don't know this woman. She stops hugging her and the lady said, why did you come over here? Who are you? And the lady said, I'm, my name's Patty, and I go to this church and I just I started hearing God's voice and the Lord told me to come over and tell you he loved you and give you a hug. I'm so sorry to, and she said, no, no, no. My husband just died. And every one of these cards say Merry Christmas from the both of us. Happy holidays from the two of us. Card after card. And finally, I just said, God, I need a hug. And before I could finish it, you touched my shoulder. He sent you here for me. That's how much people matter to God. But we're so caught up getting ahead. We're so caught up in the 1.5 times. We're so caught up in just going through the motion when God has set us up to really love people. So my prayer for you as a church, my prayer is that we would take this challenge to grow in passion. That we would take this challenge and grow in compassion. That at the restaurant today, we won't complain and tip with a scripture, but we'll actually be salt and light. She wasn't very good, Psalms 104 too, instead of your scripture. Somebody's going to get you for $104.20 one day. No, but we, we are called to this. Say, I am called to this. One of my best friends in the world, a man named William McDowell, he wrote that song, Life, that we were singing earlier. He wrote a song that's gone all over the world. It says, I give myself away. Oh, I give myself away so you can use me. Give myself away. Oh, give myself away so you can use me. Ten year decline of passion. 
10-year decline of compassion. And my challenge is not here. I'm looking for a group of people that will give themselves away from the oldest in the building to the youngest that we would be willing to be the church. One last story and then I'm gonna transition. You can stand your feet. I'm gonna have the team come back out. I really appreciate y'all's patience. Pastor Don gave me a clock and I was like, well, I may not come back next year anyways if I don't bring Jackie, so. I just played. I want you to look at me. I want you to grab this real quick. Some things can be taught, other things can be caught. Last year, uh, July 4th week, I went over to my father-in-law's house and uh, next door to my father-in-law was a house with the nicest garden I had ever seen. How many of y'all are gardeners here? Like you're awesome. This, people, this guy back here had two hands and a foot lift and a garden glove on. Like he just wears it all the time. He's like. I'm not a garden enthusiast, but I know when something's healthy. And so I'm standing there talking to my father-in-law. And I said, I gotta go over here really quick. I gotta see this. So I walk over and I'm just admiring this guy's garden. Like it's shockingly nice. I'm just blown away. And I hear one of those country clacker doors, like clack, clack. And this guy's like, what are you doing? And he comes out and he's like, don't go in there. And I'm like, I'm not gonna go in there. And he's like, do you have anything? I'm like, I don't have anything. <laughs> it's just five peppers. I mean, it's not the people. No, I didn't. I was just talking to him and I said, man, what is your secret? Like, I'm kind of blown away by this. I'm not a gardener. I don't have 1,700 hours to commit to this. But this is the nicest garden I've ever seen. Like, we should take a picture and hashtag it and Garden Monthly Magazine come out, give you like a gardening award. Like, this is phenomenal. What is your secret? I asked him. Did you angle it a certain way so the sun would hit it? Is it a certain way that the rain falls? Do you have something in your basement, like the fountain of youth with mixed with manna and you just sprinkle it on there? Like, what is your deal? This is what he said. I want you to hear this. He said, no, here's my secret. I weed every day. And I said, you smoke weed every day. Because that's not why I came over here. This is not Colorado. Like, I don't know why you would tell me this. He said, I weed every day. And I said, you check for weed. You have to walk out here and, and pull weeds? And he said, no, I, I, don't, I didn't say I pull weeds. I weed every day by checking for weeds every day. And man, I'm telling you, I felt it in my spirit. I talked to him another couple moments. I turned around, I was walking back to my father-in-law's house and the Lord said, the reason people aren't passionate anymore, the reason people aren't compassionate anymore is they've allowed weeds in and it's smothering out the good fruit in their lives. It's smothering out their purpose. It's smothering out their joy. It doesn't even have to be a sin issue. It could be a busyness issue. I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm just so busy. Got to run to this thing. Got to do this thing. Oh, I forgot that. Why do you kids have to eat three meals a day? Like Weeds sometimes will slip into the good, the garden that God has created in your life, the purpose, and it'll disguise itself as good. My little girl runs in with a whole handful of beautiful flowers. I don't have the heart to tell her they're dandelions, that they're weeds. Walking in the side entrance of our school of worship, there's a patch of flowers. And I walked in one day and I said, Jackie, come here. That's not a plant, that's weeds. And she goes, wow, it looks like a plant. It's even blooming some flowers. And I said, it's not. Watch what happens. A few weeks later, sure enough, the thing got in there and started entangling around the good flowers and smothered out all the good. Some of you are in here today 
and you've allowed weeds in your life, a toxic relationship, something you're watching with your eyes. You've allowed your heart to get calloused and you come to church when you feel guilty. You don't serve because what do I have to offer? I barely love myself. How am I supposed to love others? You've allowed weeds in your life to try to smothering out and the enemy loves this because he knows eventually and ultimately he can pull you away, slip you into isolation. That's when you're vulnerable. That's where you're outside of the pack. So Lord told me in January, as we were starting off the year, that for our ministry and for my life as a father and a husband and as a leader, God said, I want you to start positioning yourself with an open-handed life. This is the way a lot of us hold on. That's mine. I've accomplished this. I don't want to be told what to do. People don't like to be told what to do with parenting. They don't like to be told what to do with their money. They don't like to be told to come to church. They don't like to be told to invite people. Jackie and I were first new parents. We went out to eat with this couple and their little girl bit into a hot dog and the hot dog fell out and under the table. And the mom picks it up and goes, she's fine. And I was like, and I'm not a parent at this time. And I said, I don't think she should be eating that. Forced my opinion on her. And now I have three kids and I'm still very OCD and I won't let them do that. But still, not much has changed. Challenges are not always comfortable. Pruning is not comfortable. Got to get in and clean out the garden. Next door, I didn't say this in the first service, but next door was the worst garden I'd ever seen. I was trying to convince the guy with the good garden for him and I to go over and burn it down that night. He won't even know. And I said, what's the deal with that guy's garden? And he said this, he never checks. Every couple of weeks he comes through and digs through what's not rotten. That'll work. Some of us have gone years. We're carrying bitterness, we're carrying struggles, we're carrying guilt from decisions that we've made and it's become a weed and it doesn't feel like there's an out. But I'm here to tell you today, this open-handed life, John chapter three, verse 30, I want you to become greater and greater as I become less and less. This open-handed life says, God, pull out anything that's in the way and pour in everything that you want. I no longer want to be like this. I want to live open-handed so that you can use my life. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.